All right. There. Now, just some, there's so many facts there, you might have missed some. The first one that floored me was that we are spending $1 million a minute on OPEC oil. $1 million a minute on foreign oil. So, a minute. Every 60 seconds, we spend a million dollars. There are 1,440 minutes in a day. Okay? Times $1 million a minute equals $1,440,000,000 a day on this, this foreign oil, which was mostly our enemies, OPEC. Okay? So I know that you know that this is absolutely absurd and ridiculous, and if any one of you were uh, running the government, you would probably do what I would do. And it, and it seems like our elected officials refuse to give the go-ahead for this pipeline. You know, 13,000 immediately jobs if they sign it. And then just the price of gas and oil. And uh, What a price we pay for foolishness from our politicians. Is it not foolishness? I mean, it truly is. Now, it's absolutely ridiculous, this type of action and thinking. You have opportunity to affect effect, affect, help every person in the nation that you've been elected to govern and you refuse to. I mean, it's just, it's a no-brainer. It's just absolutely crazy. Now, Bible says this in Matthew 16, for what is a man, for what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world, lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Would you give your soul? For one million dollars a minute. Someone said they come up to you and they'll pay you one million dollars. Would you now? Think about it. At the end of today, in your bank account where you have $38.19, somebody will add $1.4 billion to your account. You're saying, Pastor, you're being ridiculous. Well, am I? Okay, here we go now reason for all this. Matthew 25, 1 says this, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps, went forth to meet the bridegroom. Bridegroom, some key words here now, ten virgins. All right? Paul says this in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you or engaged you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Okay? God does not want somebody polluted or going out whoring with the world. He wants a chaste virgin, a pure is what that word chaste means. So this is exactly what we have, ten pure chaste virgins, and they took their lamp, and they're going out to meet the bridegroom. Matthew 9, 15 says this, And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. The bridegroom is Christ, God. So it's simple. Look, just simply look at this, at the Word of God. So these uh, ten virgins, chaste virgins, untouched by the world, unpolluted, wanting to give themselves in marriage to the bridegroom we see as Christ, because it says, and then they went forth to meet the bridegroom. 
like their, their Christian journey, their Christian walk, like you and I are on. So the bridegroom is Christ. They took their lamps, went forth to meet God. Christians do, is what we would say. Now, the world and various people like that don't want any of this. We understand that. But we're talking to the church right now, at least my, this church, God's church. Now, verse 2 says this. And five of them, Christians, were wise, and five, Christians, were foolish. Foolish and wise. Not bad and good, but prudent and imprudent. Thoughtless and thoughtful. All kinds are in the house of God. Prudent, imprudent, thoughtless, thoughtful. Giving no thought and saying, man, I better get this together. Verse 3 says, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. No preparation. Nothing whatsoever. The five foolish virgins appeared to... Be prepared for the bridegroom. They appear to. You appear to. I hope I look like I'm ready, like I am preparing, having certain things in order. So these five foolish virgins appear to be preparing for the bridegroom because they had their lamps in hand. But they really were not prepared because they took no oil with them. This is basic Christianity 101. You don't have to be a doctor of divinity. In fact, those folks scare me. They just do. They make everything too difficult and too hard. God says, come to me as a what? As a child. Now that word foolish, these foolish means, listen to what it means because this is interesting. Lacking reverence. Lacking reverence or respect. For the things of God, for the commands of God, for the directions of God, for what God tells you, you've got to do and you must do this. There are a group of us, half of us, according to this scripture, don't have that respect, don't have that desire, that drive, or the fear of God. We fear the devil instead of God, who says, you better fear the one that after you die has the power to throw you and your in, in hell. So we've got to just simply look at the word of God. And so God is telling us there's a cluster of people. And he calls them chaste virgins. Not polluted, not boozing, not denying God, not scoffing, not mocking. Church going Bible toting. People. And so God goes on and tells us now, some of these are foolish. Half of them are foolish. They're absolutely taking no oil. And foolish means lacking reverence or respect for the things of God. Or God himself. Or religious practices. And I know that word sounds awful, but I mean, what I mean by that is prayer. Prayer meetings. Oh, I'm too busy. Got to put in overtime. Got to work. Too far to drive. Three times a week. Are you crazy? Bible reading, diving into the Word, your devotions, church attendance. What's churches doing nowadays? They're closing. They're eliminating services. 
just the opposite of what we need to do. Just like our government. And there is so much upheaval going on, and we're cutting defense. Cutting away this, stop making that, we don't need that, slash this. It just makes no sense. Now, put it in a spiritual world. It is an upheaval. The Antichrist spirit is here, and the pressure of, of the enemy is more bolder now than it ever been in affecting people in such strange, weird ways. And so what's the church do? We close our services on Sunday night. The lights are too expensive to keep on. It's just the opposite. And it's, we gotta stop. We've got to look at the Word of God and say, look, are we being foolish? Is it foolish to have midweek service? We ask people to come out in the middle of a week and seek God and cry out to God for our nation, for our country. Is it foolish to stand in the gap for those who are too sick, maybe on the brink of death? Is it foolish for those who don't know Christ and we come in a midweek service year after year after year and say, God, please have mercy? So this foolishness is a, a lack of reverence or respect for the things of God, and that is so high right now in our nation. Not just with the heathens, the lost who don't know any better. Sadly, it's with the people of God. The prayer meetings are a thing of the past, and Bible reading is just, just about hardly there, and church attendance, and it's like, why? Why so much? Why? Corinthians tells us this, that you and I are to walk by faith and not by sight. You are commanded of God to walk by faith, evidence of things not seen. Not seen. Romans 1, 7 tells us, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith. We are walking this walk by faith. I mean, I was. I was in my office yesterday, and now you have to kind of understand so you don't go, oh, Pastor, but I was yelling at God. Sort of. Because I know who God is. And I fear Him, but I was going, God, we are so overwhelmed so outnumbered, so unprepared. Come on, God! Show thyself strong! I need you, Lord. I'm just a wimp. Expose those bare arms again, God. Is that foolish? We are to walk by faith and not by sight. And as the pressure comes on, God is expecting His people to continue to walk this walk. So you and I must Walk by faith and not by sight in these last days as things obviously are spinning out of control. They are. A simple signing of a paper would bless a nation with jobs and oil and everything that it needs. What a shot in the arm. And they can't agree to do it. You best have your faith in God. In God alone. Now, Roman tells us this, if you and I have to walk by faith. Remember, we're talking about uh, the foolish virgins, the, virgins the, the lack of reverence or the respect for the um, house of God or the things of God, from prayer meetings to Bible reading to church attendance, all that kind of stuff. 
And God says, you've got to walk this thing by faith. So then Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? It's a question mark. And how shall they believe in, whom, in him of whom they have not heard? Another question. And how shall they hear without a preacher? No, you shouldn't stay home. Meditate on the stump in the backyard. You need to come to the house of God and hear the word of God where it's preached. Because the miraculous anointing power of God is behind it. There's nothing wrong with sitting on your stump, but it doesn't take the place. Don't look at these practices of God as insignificant, ridiculous. Because God is saying, how are you going to hear this without a preacher? And I know there's a bunch of bum preachers. I know that. It does not take away from the truth here. Verse 15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent by the power of God? Sent by the call of God. And it goes on and says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. Verse 17 says, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Going to church is not a foolish thing busybody thing God says it works you get stirred faith comes alive inside of you something miraculous happens it's a supernatural place don't look like that to us but I'm not supposed to walk that way I'm supposed to walk by faith the word I preach is God's word and the word that you love which is God is inside of you and they connect and something happens that keeps you Humming for God. Keeps all eight cylinders going for God. The five foolish said, oh, come on. I got a long week. I work too hard. I really don't have to come to church. To me, this is a perfect example of the foolish virgins. Because God tells you, in the word of God, don't forsake this. And the five foolish who are off the way to meet the bridegroom with their lamp, no oil, say, ah, could that be a foolish act? Could that be what God is saying is a foolish thing to do? It's not the America you were born in. Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't do it. The bridegroom comes. He's coming. And God's saying, don't forsake what you need in order to stay sharp to hear him coming. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting as churches slow down, cut services, say, ah, what's God say to do? Even so much the more. Maybe we should have Monday night church and Tuesday night church. It says, amp it up, not cut it back. Could it be a foolish act that cuts it back? Come on, Pastor. We got our iPhones, iPad, iPod, i this, i that. Could it be one of the foolish acts? Now, if you got to work, I understand. I worked on Sunday years ago. You know what I'm talking about. Could this be as foolish or even more foolish? Because I'm thinking, at least I'm hoping, that all of you would say, you can keep your 1.4 billion, but he ain't having my soul. That you would all say that. 
Because you're saying your soul is way more valuable than a few bucks in your pocket. Oh, you, you live like a king for uh, what? However old you are, add a few years. What happens when you die? Your kingdom's over. So you're saying, there's, no, there's not a price I can, I can put on my soul. I don't know. Half of us don't believe this. Because half of them, eh, I don't know. I don't know what to call this message. I was going to call it Drill Baby Drill. <laughs> and I was going to call it Put Your Torch in Order, and you'll see why. But see, is it, is it as foolish or even unbelievably more foolish for you not to drill to get that oil? To sustain your walk in these crazy last days. Did you see the Facebook post? The lady calling for all Christians said it's absolutely illegal for a woman to walk around bare-chested in public. It's legal in Ohio. And so this group stirred to come against this church. It might be today. The ladies were coming to church without their tops on. Not the church, the people coming to the church to make a statement. Ruth just looked at me and went, I went, let them come. Let them come. We'll preach the gospel to them. Look, that mother has a bunch of kids. She said, I work going to church. I'm just blindfolding my kids. I said, God bless you. Do you understand the kind of what we're into now? They could walk in here. There's, and it's, they called lawyers. It's legal for them to do that. And so as this thing ramps up, you better drill, baby, drill to get that spiritual oil. Because if you are on that foolish set, you're going to be swept away with the filth and the unbelievableness that's coming. And it's right here. It's in the state. People you know on Facebook. So it's time to drill for that spiritual oil. Matthew 25, 5 says, While the bridegroom tarried, and he is, they all slumbered and slept, and we are. You never think things are going to happen to you and your family. And whenever I do funerals, I usually bring that up. This is, your family's affected by this. You are forced to face death today because we live like it's never going to come our way. And we're doing the same thing like the bridegroom's never going to come back. So it says, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. I mean, that's going to take place. That's going to happen. I don't know where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing at that time. Who knows? We don't even know when it is. But that is going to happen. At an unexpected hour, the bridegroom came for his bride. It's exactly what this word is telling us. Came for the bride and the wedding. The wedding party, which is all those virgins, immediately began to prepare their lamps for the lighting. Just the way they did it back then. You know how you girls prepare? You got books this big that make the Bible look paper thin. Do this 459 days ahead of your wedding. 400 and 
58 days ahead of your wedding. You got to do that. You got you go through this whole. Well, they did their various things back then. And it says in verse 7, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And that's where that phrase comes at, that trimming their lamps is literally putting their torches in order. Getting everything right. Ten chaste, untouched by the world, Christians. And God, through his word, is saying, I'm telling you, five of them are foolish. This is an unbelievable warning that addresses specifically those inside the professing church. Out there, they're not thinking about this. It's us in here. Put your torches in order, God says. You are not to assume that your future is unconditionally assured, assured unless you keep doing what God tells you to do in the Word. All ten of these are expecting to be at the feast. There they go. They're all getting them ordered. Maybe giggling and laughing and tee-heeing. Oh, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, making sure everything's pretty and off they go. All ten. This is an absolute warning to the professing people of God. Look, until that moment comes, there is no apparent difference between them. Is there? Ten virgins, maybe all in white, all have torches, lamps, whatever you want to call them. They all look fine. All look like when the roll's called up yonder, they'll be there. It's, it is the crisis which will divide the ready from the unready. It's the crisis. It's the pressure. It's the wine press of the squeezing of the grapes. That's going to bring you the juice. The grape juice. It's the crisis that's going to separate. And I have to say, maybe even lightly, slightly, maybe a little more than others, we can start to feel it coming down on us now. The various laws that are being passed. You can pretty much do anything you want except Christianity anywhere. They even showed a couple, uh, remember the, the thing was, teachers can't do nothing, but if that child wants to get up during their graduation, they can belt out a prayer and give God the glory. You know what they do now, don't you? They turn off the mics. I've seen them. They have them on TV. And I want to give God the glory. And then she starts to go, they cut it off. Schools in USA. So the, the starting of the press is coming. How could you possibly not drill? What's worse? Are current leaders not drilling for the oil that will make your car run? Or are current people of God not drilling that will make them withstand what's coming? What's worse? You wouldn't give your soul for $1.4 billion a day. Who's more crazy? And then here, in the verse 8, the foolish said unto the wise, give us your oil. For our lamps are gone out. And the word means going out. So off they go to meet the bridegroom. And all of a sudden your lamps went. So they look at those who have been attempting to live for God and say, give us your oil. 
can that be? Now, you look at that term, you think, okay, just go, here's some oil for you. That's what we're not talking about. This oil is the type of the Holy Ghost. It's a type of you being filled with the presence of God. It comes from years of constantly praying and seeking God and saying, oh, God, don't leave me to my own counsel, God. Sweet God, please give me, fill me with the Spirit of God. How do you give that to somebody? How can you just give that to someone who's neglected, had no reverence for it, disrespected it? What are you going to do? How, how can you give it? You can't bottle it. You can't give them 25 years of your life. Give us that oil. You can't. Outside of a full-blown miracle by God, there's nothing I can do. I'm attempting that right now to get you and stir you to drill for that oil that will sustain you. Absolute key to Christian readiness is to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the church do? We bicker and argue about it. It separates us. The very life-giving flow that we need. We've argued hundreds of years about it. All our drilling material lays there, brand new, unmoved. I mean, they got this pipeline mapped out. They got all the pipe. As soon as they sign it, 13,000 people will get hired. Wages will go through the roof. Unemployment will go down. No one will pick the pen up. Well, what's worse? Your soul's on the line. Now, you compare that with what makes you dismiss the opportunities to come to the house of God or a prayer meeting or whatever you want to call it. In that day, when you're walking to meet the bridegroom, I'm not saying you're heathen, you're not serving God, you're cussing, you're running. No, your lamp's going... What's going to matter at that time? We are here and now, people. Many times, many, many, many times throughout my saved life and pastor life, I end up sitting in someone's living room of a deceased somebody. Husband, wife, and them cars that we have to have, they're just sitting there. No one to start them. All the very stuff that we have to have in our room, and the couches and the chairs and the pillows and the blah, 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 blah. And I look, sometimes I do. I just look around and think, what the heck? I do that in my own house. What? There's nothing wrong with trying to have a nice house, certainly a clean house. I'm just talking about uh, the, the, the absolute uh, importance we give certain things and other things. Could those be foolish acts? Could this what God talks about foolishness? When you have opportunity to hear the word of God, you'll have it again tonight. Yeah, we're in the midst of a fair. We'll be serving 7,000 people this week. We'll be dropping orders. We'll be messing up. We're still going to have church tonight. We're going to say no church tonight. No, we're 
It's absolutely essential for the Christian to not only be filled, but to be constantly filled with the Spirit of God. And I told you, you are a perfect example. All you've got to do is just stay away from the house of God for a week or two and come back, and we're like, ugh. You, you just, your whole countenance has, has changed. We, we saw someone the other day, and we we're like, is that? Can't be. Is that Ruth? Ruth, is that? The person just looked totally different than it was the person. There's something about the countenance that God does and touches. It's special. Look, a key to Christian, you must be filled with the Spirit. Much of our weakness much of our weakness and defeat and sluggishness in our spiritual life is explained by us not staying filled with the Spirit of God. And you take that by faith, which you should be doing today. As God has given me to you as your pastor to preach out of his word by faith, you receive it, and it comes by hearing the word. We're, we're, what we're doing today. Ephesians 5.18 and New King James tells us this. Do not be drunk with wine. In which is dissipation. The New King James. But be filled with the spirit. Dissipation. That word means a waste. You're wasting your resources. You're wasting your talent. You're wasting your giftings on booze. Drunk with the world, drunk with the world's idea, drunk on the world's wine, drunk on the world's this. The word means a waste. But God says, that's what the world does. But the Christian needs to be filled with the Spirit. Not drunk with wine in, in contrast with the conduct of the world being drunk with wine. But we are to be filled with the Spirit. And that means to be constantly, constantly being filled with the Spirit of God. Or else, you think what you're achieving and doing, that you're doing it. Could that be a foolish act? Well, Pastor, I'm trying, yeah, but God says without him you can do. So you got this big drill called the Holy Spirit to be filled with it. Use it. God, fill me with the Spirit of God. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Drill, new hope, drill. Being filled with the Spirit of God is not a one-time event. Now, you might seem this funny. You might even chuckle at it. I'm, I'm going to go down and work the window. Who knows what that means at the fair? Work the window. Who doesn't know what that means? So the rest of you just didn't care to raise your hand. That window is chaos and chaotic. And I've already been praying. Ruth and I have been praying for the week coming. We've prayed for today because she's down there. I'm going to pray for me. God, got to fill me with the Spirit of God so I don't bark at people at the window. Because it can get crazy. They're yelling through the window. I forgot this. They're yelling over there. What did you say? Look, as silly as it sounds, I'm trusting God the Holy Ghost goes to get me through the window. Just through that job that I don't hurt anybody's feelings. Because I put no confidence in this flesh. You want to see my lamp go out? Just put someone who 
That's, maybe the window is the ultimate test for see who's a Christian in the church. And who's the five wise and the five foolish? Because it will. To think that I will just master that window because I'm just this cool, calm, collective. Oh, no. I've had 30 orders in my hand. I've had 15 up there. I've had three on the floor. And I got you yelling. Where's my hamburger? I can't, I can't even pass that simple little test. Now, you're going to start talking about the evil, demonic spirits that have been held for years, going to be let loose at the end of the age. And I'm not going to drill. So verse 9 says, The wise answered, saying, Not so, I, I can't give you. I can't give you what God has taught me. I can't give you what God has brought me through. There's so many floods. I, you can write books about them. You can tell people about them, but they've got to do it themselves. I remember this one time, and you give this story about how God came through, and Ruth and I thought we were going to drown for sure, and life's over, and I went to bed the other day just, hey, God, church is going to fall apart, and God's carried. How can you give that? It's not so. I can't. You've got to have those relationships with God your own. You've got to walk through those darknesses. Those times of unbelievable, and God gives you a song, just a song in the midnight hour. How do you give that away to somebody? How do you say, oh, here, this is for you. This will carry you through, Adam, my song. No. So the wise answer and saying, not so. At least there be not enough for us and you. But go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. You've got to do this yourself. And for some strange reason, God is still permitting us time. And you can do it today. But this is too late because while they went to go by, okay, I'm going to church and I'm going to go to Wednesday night and I'm going to do this and I'm going to start doing that and I'm going to... It's too late. And they went to buy. The bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterwards also the other virgins, the foolish ones, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. What a horrible phrase to hear. The foolish virgins had professed to be the bridegroom's friend. They were linked all the way, all the way to the end. They were linked with churchy stuff and church this and churchy that, yet they were proved to be not even his acquaintances. I don't know you. Virgins, untouched, lamps, trimming them, getting their torches in order, singing those songs, helping out, maybe in the choir even. That's why Matthew tells us at the end of this, this parable. He said, I'm telling you, you don't know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Now, my Ruthie is down there. This November will be married 45 years. I might never see her on earth again. God could come back today, now. And what we know is life's over. It's over. At any minute. It could happen to all of us or individually. Heart attack. Be dead before I hit the ground. And some you guys got to go tell Ruth. Oh, don't talk like that. What are you talking about? It happens all the time. 
So God says, watch, therefore. That's another drill, that word watch. That doesn't mean, <laughs> that means get into your Bible. Dig, get ready, keep your eye on heaven. Do what you can, watch, drill. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. How dumb is our government being? At such a crucial time, America could use an absolute injection of hope. Pass that pipeline. And they bicker and fight over it. And gas keeps still going through the roof. And you got all these reserves of millions of barrels. And they won't do it. You've got to be the dumbest man in the world. Or is it? Could it be us? Who know? This stuff's a mystery to them. They don't know about this kind of stuff. Drilling. Find the rich oil of life in here. And we refuse to drill. And when it hits the wall, you're going to call me. What do you think I'm going to say? I'm just going to say, you know what? You better pray. What you should be doing all this time, drill after drill after drill. And when they struck oil, what did he say? They had 186 drilling rigs. That should be pumping like crazy. Every one of you should be a drilling rig. Tapping into God's resource and his power. But half of you here are foolish. I'm not condemning you. I'm not even placing myself separate from you. I'm saying, God, I can't be foolish. Don't let me be one of these. Because I told you, the greatest deceiver in my life is that dude I shave every morning. I see him in the mirror every morning. He wants to tell me, you're all right. You're fine. You're perfect. You pray enough. You're doing enough. But he's a liar. I put no confidence in what I see in that mirror. I put it in the Word of God. I filter everything. Well, this tells me I better drill. So by faith, I drill. I mean, <laughs> how tragic. I don't know how long I preached. Maybe you're going a lot. <laughs> Maybe you preach. You preach long. Or maybe I preached 31 minutes. I don't remember. That's $31 million that we spent on foreign oil who want to kill us. A minute. And all you have to do is pick up a pen and sign it. They're all waiting. They're all there. Trucks, pipe, the fitters, everything. They're there. Just sign it. And they won't. All you and I have to do is do what God says. But half of us look at it as uh, foolishness. point of this parable and his service today is to be ready. The price of failing, the price for failing to be ready 
is too high. You already told me, Jenny, you would not take $1.4 billion by the end of today for your soul. She's going, you crazy? The price of failing is too high. Jenny's soul, whether she drills, Bruce, Marshes, Angie, you, me. Maybe we can cut some lights. Let's stand, please. We are now in a nation that really is anti-God. Majority of the leaders, laws, various things that they're passing is just anti-Christian. And the only way that you and I are going to withstand is by drilling, getting filled with the Spirit of God, knowing what to do if 50 women walk in here without tops on. I would want you to act godly. I would say the first two rows move. Sit them right there in the first two rows. And we'll preach the Word of God. We'll sing like we've never sang before for the glory of God. And let the convicting holy finger of God fall on them. And see what God does. Or would we argue, fight, call the police, throw them out, get in a fisticuff? Drill, new hope, drill. I ask you every year, please don't go down to the fear and embarrass God and the church. That's just the fear. We live now in America that is so different. And you have to drill. Do not look at the various things that we do in this church as foolishness. Church tonight, church Wednesday. We usually have Saturday night prayer once school starts. Meet back there. So as Michael picks some type of music for this altar call, this is time for you to go to the altar. Look, just be honest with God. Say, God, I don't, I don't have it, God. I don't have what it takes to do what he's saying. But if you help me, God, I will. Because we all fit those shoes. None of us have what it takes. So our altars are open, please. Make your way down. Ask God, God, please don't let me be one of the foolish. I don't trust myself, Lord. I want to trust you and you alone. Don't get into church things, religious things, to make you feel you're all right. But God, I want to get into God things. Come down with an open, honest heart and say, God, please tell me now. Don't tell me later, God. Please tell me now. Get your torch.